Since March 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been developing content monthly, weekly, and daily for the business of pharmacy. With more than 25 different podcast channels, more than 1 million downloads, and 30-plus participating pharmacists, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is the global leader in podcasting for the pharmacy professional. Find all of our podcast channels by going to pharmacypodcast.com forward slash shows. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has signed three innovative PBM reform bills into law, HB 946 and SB 313 require the reporting of drugs paid 10% above and 10% below national average drug acquisition costs every four months, prohibit PBMs from tying a pharmacy's drug reimbursement to a patient's health outcomes, and require a PBM to offer drug coverage plans that do not include spread pricing and plans that allow plan sponsors to receive 100% of rebates negotiated by PBMs. HB 918 strengthens existing anti-steering provisions and the Pharmacy Audit Bill of Rights. Congratulations to Georgia Pharmacy Association and all the pharmacy advocates for these wins, which will protect pharmacy patients and payers. Pharmacy benefit managers, better known as PBMs, are responsible for negotiating payment rates for a large share of prescription drugs distributed in the United States. Recently, state Medicaid systems, policymakers, and national pharmacy associations have expressed concern that certain PBMs' business practices may not be consistent with public policy goals to improve the value of pharmaceutical spending. This podcast series is all about PBM reform. Listen to the discussions, share these podcasts, and help build a new pharmacy payer system which supports our independent community pharmacies, encourages fair and transparent competition in the marketplace, and most importantly, is designed to deliver the best patient care. Welcome to the PBM Reform Podcast. This is Lauren Young, your host, and I am a second-generation pharmacy owner and Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency board member. I'm located in central Illinois, but I'm getting to spend a little bit of time with my friends from Georgia today. We have Representative David Knight, and we have Greg Reibold, the General Counsel and VP of Public Policy for the Georgia Pharmacy Association. Welcome, guys. How are you today? Great. Glad to, to be on, on the program today with you. Yeah. Hi, Lauren. We're doing great. We are going to get started because I know a lot of our listeners to this podcast have either followed Georgia in 2019, whenever you had some first traction on PBM legislation, or they have since become fans in the 2020 legislative session. But really, politics on a state level are very delicate as pharmacists know, because we tend to get a lot of your constituents in our pharmacies on a daily basis. So Representative Knight, could you speak a little bit about how this all came to your attention and why you decided to become a supporter of PBM reform? Yeah, Lauren, it really is an interesting story. Um, uh, a number of years ago, I had some pharmacists uh, come to me and, and start talking about uh, PBMs and, and everything, and, and it just really was so far above my head. And uh, later on, I had a personal experience, and uh, my wife and I, in a, about an eight-year quest uh, to, to get pregnant through a lot of issues, we finally got pregnant. 
and lo and behold, we she had a blood clot issue uh, prior to this, and she was on Lovenox and had to switch to heparin in her last three weeks before, uh, you know, a scheduled C-section. And, and we went in. This was a prescription from the doctor. And all of a sudden, you know, our, our independent pharmacist who filled the prescription without even a second thought, but he called me and he said, you know, your insurance is denying this. They're saying this is not medically necessary. And um, uh, it started from there. It, it was it was very apparent um, that the only people who had uh, my wife and my unborn child interest at heart was was the healthcare providers, and that was my doctors and our our pharmacists. And uh, that that began my journey. It really hit home that this was not about the patient. Uh, it was not about the care. Uh, it was about I think profit on behalf of the PBMs and and the companies that they're affiliated with. And it really does take that personal connection for a lot of legislators to kind of see the light and throw their support behind this issue. It does. That's what we found. And and whether it's your parents, whether it's your neighbors, your friends, I think everyone out there has had a bad experience with a PBM. Uh, you know, they've gone to the pharmacy, they've gone to try to get drugs, gone to try to get a prescription filled. Even today, I had a call on a prescription that I had and, you know, prior authorization, there's always something that is in the way of the health care with the patient. And uh, I think a lot of people have that. We just got to make sure that we tie in uh, those experiences that we that we know all of our constituents, all of our friends, all of our family are having and make sure that we're really pointing out what's at the root cause of these bad experiences. Absolutely. You can't spell problem without PBM. And I really yeah. think that you guys have found a way to help pharmacists in your state. So, Greg, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about how Georgia Pharmacy Association works with your members on helping connect them with some of the legislators in Georgia. So, you know, this, this obviously this year, 2020 was a really big year um, and 2019, you know, significant legislation as well as, as well as 2017. And so, you know, this didn't happen overnight. You know, we didn't just come out and introduce PBM legislation sort of out of nowhere and, and go for the kitchen sink. PBMs and insurance companies, and you know, these are Fortune 10, Fortune 20, Fortune 50 companies. They're amongst the biggest companies on earth, and you know, they are never at it for a lack of lobbyists and a lack of connections, and they're powerful. And so, you're never going to sort of beat them by outpowering them. But what pharmacists have going for them is, you know, they, they are on the front lines in communities, on the front lines of healthcare. And they have just a tremendous grassroots power. And I think, you know, so often pharmacists don't realize just, just how influential they can be. They're, they're business owners, um, they're care providers, they're employers. They touch so many lives within their communities, um, whether it's a metropolitan community or a rural community. And so when, when you can sort of leverage the relationships, when, when pharmacists talk, legislators listen. One thing that we focus heavily on is being very precise in our communications. Again, we're not going to outpower insurance companies and pharmacy benefit managers. So it's very important that legislators hear from their pharmacists when they're back home. 
I think Pot's done a great job of, of putting together um, legislator panels. You know, I always love listening because, you know, it's really not a secret recipe. If, if you listen to any of them, you know, it's a pharmacist came and they spent time to talk to the legislator or invited a legislator into a pharmacy and show them what it is that, that they deal with. And, and often personal experiences because everybody is touched by prescription drugs. And people may not be able to put their finger on it, but I think there's a palpable feeling that something needs to change in healthcare and in prescription drugs in particular. And what pharmacists can do is they can articulate better than anybody what it is that needs to change and why it needs to change. And they don't just tell them, they show them. And that's something else that, that we always try to do, whether it's myself at the Georgia Capitol, um, whether it's uh, Representative Knight in a presentation at a committee hearing, whether it's a, a patient or a pharmacist, is be able to show documentation and back up everything that you say, right? You know, listen, and, but, but also show them. And so, you know, by doing that, and it, it takes time, it doesn't happen overnight, but ultimately, um, you know, when you're looking after the best interest of patients and you're looking to bring transparency and reduce prescription drug costs, and, and you can demonstrate that and reflect that, that can win the day. Absolutely. And I know there's been several pieces of PBM reform legislation that Georgia has championed over the past couple of years. Representative Knight, what is one of the bills that you are most proud of in the support well, and how it has come together? Well, I think the, uh, the bill with the most import has to be Bill um, uh, 233, and that was tied in. There were two pieces of legislation in the uh, 2019 session, uh, House Bill 233 and House Bill 323. But those both were anti-steering bills. 233 had to be, I, I think, the most important piece of legislation because I think it is the example going forward of how the states uh, can start addressing uh, steering that's going on at the biggest uh, you know, levels, at the highest levels with these Fortune 25 companies. And what they're doing is they're steering patients to the specialty pharmacy, the mail-order pharmacy, or even in some cases the brick-and-mortar you know, retail pharmacy that they own. Uh, House Bill 233, I think, was the first time that we've done it. And we did it. Uh, we did it the uh, state's um, right to, to oversee and license pharmacy. I, I think that was, I think that's going to end up being the biggest breakthrough that we have uh, that really changes the game. Greg, do you want to elaborate maybe a little more on what we did there? Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, I, I would echo that. You know, there, there's, you know, several pieces of legislation in, and I think if you look at sort of the pattern, really from 20, 2015, 2016, all the way into 2020, what, what we've seen is an evolution in sort of our strategy and the types of issues that we tackle. And so Georgia passed one of, not the, but kind of in, in sort of the front end of MAC pricing laws. And this was Representative Knight, was that 2016, I think? No, 2015. Thank you. It, it won up the <laughs> And so, you know, if you look sort of nationwide at, at pharmacy initiatives in 2015, 2016, pharmacy was really myopic, right? We would take one issue, and it happened to be largely one of the more complicated issues, right? MAC pricing, maximum allowable cost. If you're not in the industry, it's not an easy thing to explain. 
but we started there and then we tackled issues in 2017 instead of going after one really complicated thing we implemented what we call the Pharmacy Patient Protection Act. And it was, it was similar to, um, you know, in, in insurance codes, Unfair and Deceptive Trade Practices Act and insurances. And it basically codified that, hey, there are things, there are these practices that PBMs are doing that, that are really bad for patients and they, they should be stopped. And copay clawbacks was one of those. Um, gag clauses. Yeah, gag clauses. And, and so we started there. And, and so 2017 was pretty exciting, but if you look at sort of what we were doing, hey, Mac pricing, update your Mac lists, trying to tackle the gag clause issue, the copay clawbacks, they were all really important stuff. But if you look at it, they were sort of on the fringes of PBM bad practices. And while we were sitting there fighting Mac pricing and fighting transaction fees and fighting gag clauses, um, and I've, I've said this before, I'm redundant, but you know, they, they backed the truck up and, and they were taking, taking away the bank. And, and they did that by, you know, in my opinion, engaging in a patient steering at the highest level that's ever been done, right? On a massive scale. They've taken pharmacies' sickest patients. Um, they've taken their chronically ill patients and they've done the same to oncologists. And so I think, you know, last year, 2019, saying, hey, we're going to let play for keeps and we're going after material things and we're going to try to stop them. And so that's definitely something that, that I'm, I'm proud to have worked on with the association and the members and patients and Representative Knight, for sure. And I think we built on that even more so this year. Yeah, and Greg, I, you and I have always you know, talked about it. And I think this bears, uh, you know, repeating for the audience. You know, we, we found that, like you said, while these issues were important back in 16, 17, and, and they, they were important, but in the end, it, it, you know, we figured out that we were really playing on the fringes with these guys, okay? And while we may have a small win here, uh, we really did not do anything to change, uh, you know, these, these very unscrupulous business practices that, quite frankly, they doubled down on. And, and that's what I would also want to share with, with you know, not only the pharmacists in the other states, but, you know, the legislators who are doing this is, you know, don't play on the fringes with you guys. It's like playing whack-a-mole. Uh, you know, you'll hit them one spot and, you know, the next time something else will, uh, will pop up. So we've decided instead of, uh, I don't know, put, put this politely, instead of, you know, going after a couple of fingers or toes, we were going to cut off a leg or arm. And, and I I say that respectfully, but to to really try to disrupt what they were doing, and uh, I, I think that's what uh, House Bill 233, 323, and then with the legislation from this year's session, uh, the bills that we've passed, I think we, we continue down that road of, of looking at big picture items, uh, big picture methods that these PBMs use. Uh, to continue the you know the bad practices and we're going after those those bad practices in a big way, and that's what you need to go after. Well, it is so motivational to hear that because I know there are a lot of pharmacy owners and pharmacists and advocates across the country that saw the picture of the 2019 bill signing at the Georgia governor's. Uh, office uh, with all these pharmacists and white coats around and, you know, finally getting a win for independent pharmacies and their patients. And so you guys actually did some of the hardest work, which would be to go back and kind of put some of that belt and suspenders supportive language 
into bills this session, which sometimes I know, speaking to legislators from our state and other states, you know, sometimes they want to see how laws kind of play out a little bit. And right now, as you know, especially in the pharmacy world, independent pharmacy world, there's not really that time to give the PBMs any wiggle room right now. You know, you've got to come down, like you said, and cut off an arm or a leg or their head to keep that beast under control. Yeah. So, you know, and I really well, I commend right. you guys um, for that. <laughs> well, you know, quite frankly, last year's bills were very important. I think we came back and, and not only had some fixes, if you will, the loopholes, because again, these are, I think, Wall Street's most profitable, uh, their largest, most profitable companies. But we we doubled down on that, and we had a package of bills this year that that I believe uh, just take this game to the next level. Um, you know, we had to go back and fix in 918. It was sort of a fix for 233 last year in the pharmacy code, but we saw where the PBMs were just changing definitions or we were sitting there saying you can't steer. Well, they came back in contracts, and uh, Greg, I'm sure, can elaborate more you know, succinctly than I, but they were basically in, in contact telling people, well, if you want to go, you know, exercise your choice, with the, we're just not going to pay. It's up to you 100%. So they're always going to look, uh, they're always going to be looking for a way to, to skirt a bill or a law passed. Greg, I, mean, is that, I, I know there were some other things that they did, but you want to elaborate a little more? Yeah, for sure. And and so a bit of a digression here, but I do think that this year's legislation was a culmination. And while 233 was a, last year in 2019 was a, was a breakthrough in terms of tackling what I truly think is sort of one of the most insidious practices in healthcare, which is PBM steering. This year, you know, we certainly, we always look to adapt and we always look to evolve. And so we looked to close some loopholes. You know, 2019, we said you can't steer. And what we started to see is PBMs not not ordering patients to their pharmacies, but saying, if you don't use our pharmacy, then you're going to pay full price. And we also saw some evolution with PBM to PBM referrals. And so this bill looks to strengthen the steering bills last year. And without getting into too much of the weeds, we've tackled steering on both sides of the equation in 2019 and in 2020. So we're going after the PBMs for steering, and we're also holding the pharmacies that are affiliated accountable. You don't get to bury your head in the sand, compromise patient care, and reap the benefits and not be held accountable. And so we're tackling it on the pharmacy side and also on the PBM side. And we also did some belt and suspender stuff, you know, greatly increased transparency and oversight, you know, from a commissioner of insurance perspective, increased fines, the ability to suspend licenses, significant work on drug pricing transparency, some things that we, we don't think folks have seen before. And then we looked to do some really, really big things as well. So some of it was cleanup, some of it was belt and suspenders, but there's some really innovative things in there that I'm, I'm really excited about. I think Representative Knight is too, uh, just by, by way of example, what we've seen nationally with like the issue of retroactive fees and we've seen, and Georgia did this in the past, we've said, hey, you can't re recoup retroactively. Um, and we've seen a lot of conversations nationally about recouping retroactively. But what we did this year is we started to have a conversation about the fact that really, if you want transparent drug pricing, 
the price, the reimbursement for a drug to a pharmacy shouldn't be based on patient outcomes at all, right? Because that obscures pricing from a, from a perspective of how much does the pharmacy get paid? What's the patient's copay? What did the payer pay for the drug? And all of that sort of obscureness is, is what allows pharmacy benefit managers to manipulate drug pricing so that they're making money at every point of that equation. And we feel very strongly that that's increasing drug prices. So to actually put into law that says, hey, you can't tie patient outcomes to the reimbursement for the ingredient cost of a drug. Um, that's something you probably sound a little nerdy about this, right? But that's not a conversation that's been had often. Um, we also have a provision there that says that PBMs can't derive revenues from, from pharmacies, meaning you know administer drug benefits but don't look to a pharmacy as a source of revenue for you, right? That's, that's not what this is about. And we also implemented uh, first in the nation that we're aware of surcharge on pharmacy benefit managers when they engage in certain practices as well. So, you know, this year is just such an exciting year to, to work on, on this. And it was a tough year um, and we needed, you know, we had a lot of support and a lot of help. And I'd like to talk about that at some point during this discussion, but we closed some loopholes we increased oversight and penalties, and then we did some sort of new innovative things as well. You know, to follow up on your examples, you, you mentioned oversight, and I think both House Bill 946 and, and certainly the heart of 991, as an old auditor, you know, I'm an accountant by profession, you know, you start looking at this and, uh, you know, there were significant provisions that were put in that allow for more oversight, more auditing, certainly 946. But the, the, I think one of the sleeper bills, if you will, that will have a long-term effect on this is that in Georgia, we, through House Bill 991, created the Healthcare Transparency and Accountability Act. And it basically creates an oversight committee, you know, made up of appointees by the governor, by the lieutenant governor who presided over the Senate and, and the speaker. Uh, but it gives that committee significant, significant powers to go out and, if you will, to look into or audit um, anything that has to do with our state plans, anything to do with healthcare uh, across the board. And that unto itself is, is particularly important because no one has seen the contracts. And I think this is a core issue that I think everybody can agree on. The PBMs hide behind proprietary and confidential information. They, every contract is classified that way. You can never get data, you can never get contracts. And I think for the first time, this bill allows that uh, for this committee to come in and have access to you know the underlying documents, the underlying contracts, and then we have the ability to go out and and, and get whatever professional resources we we need to to evaluate. That. So the first time I think we're going to start uh, directly looking into these practices and have the ability to go, uh, if you will, look into them, audit them, and come back with recommendations. Yeah, and uh, if I could just jump in there because sure. it, it's such a powerful concept, um, you know, sunshine, right? The, the ability to, to look at, at how parties are conducting themselves and where money's going um, changes things, right? And it's, you know, once you can get access to data and records, um, boy, is that a powerful catalyst for change. When information comes to light, it, it affects change, 
And I think that bill maybe didn't get the attention of some of the others throughout the session. But that is a game changer because it's going to enable legislators in this committee to access records and really dig in and, and utilize auditors and, and other experts to, to really get to the bottom of, hey, you know, how are these parties acting and where is the money going? Oh, absolutely. And I think it will actually have a little more credibility because the actual evidence that you'll be showing them in these audit findings will be Georgia claim level items as opposed to if it's not been done in your state before, sometimes you have to look to West Virginia, for example, right. for their Medicaid carve out and kind of see, you know, what they went through and use that. And some legislators in other states are nervous to use other states examples because they think, oh, that's not happening here. You know, my, my friends across the table at the PCMA lobbyists told me that's not happening here. We're, they're saving us money. These independent pharmacies are just, you know, not quite sure what they're talking about. Yeah, sort of like PCMA and the PBM folks, you know, told us what many years ago, Greg, that there was no more spread pricing. Uh, what was that, two years ago? And, you know, lo and behold, spread pricing still exists today. Uh, they did not move away from it. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's still been two years since they since they said, no, hey, we're getting away from spread pricing in Georgia. You know, it, it goes back to the old age, you know, an auditor you trust verify. As I told one of the uh, organizations, when they came in and talked to me in station, I told them, I said, I'm trusted and verified. I said, uh, with you guys, there is no trust. Um, you exhausted every dust that I've had in this point forward. You know, uh, it will be only by verifying fact and data that will move forward. And I think that's the approach that, uh, that we need to take as legislators across this country uh, as we deal with these people or with these organizations. Definitely true. And so what can you say about that opposition that you mentioned? You know, you kind of talked about one of the lines they said how they don't use spread pricing in Georgia anymore. We all know they do. They just usually call it something different now that they've been caught. So whenever you're a legislator, or Greg, even as uh, general counsel of the Georgia Pharmacy Association, when you're sitting at the table for your constituents or your pharmacy members, and you're faced with this opposition or even other legislators that are drinking the PBM Kool-Aid, how are you able to get your points across and get the support that is needed with other members of the legislature. Fights are never one way. And anytime you're, you're looking to bring legislation that affects change, um, it's a lot harder to pass a bill than it is to kill a bill. And change is hard. And, and some of the things that we're talking about and that pharmacy, you know, conversations in pharmacy are going on nationwide, change, they're complicated issues. And, and they represent paradigm shifts sometimes in terms of the way things are and the status quo. And people tend to naturally like the status quo and PBMs do hire lobbyists, and a lot of those lobbyists do a really effective job. Look, fights aren't one way, and so it's always interesting to, to sort of see the dynamics throughout a session, and there's ebbs and flows, and we have really good days, and we have bad days, and we have great hearings, and we have, we have hard hearings. But I think the, the most important thing is to come prepared, right? Always be able to document everything that you say. 
And sometimes that's hard. We did a lot of work with open records where we were able to access records that demonstrate that, hey, there's significant steering in Medicaid managed care. And this is what the spread looks like. And, um, you know, this is how much they're paying their affiliated companies. And, and just, just a lot of research. Um, and very important to find pharmacists who are willing to come down and speak on behalf of their patients and on behalf of themselves and in Georgia, you know, it's taken a while to develop, but we have just a really strong stable of pharmacists who are willing to come down and when they talk, legislators listen, they bring examples, um, they, they speak from the heart. Jen, Jennifer Shannon is, is, is a good friend and an and example. And, and I hate to start referencing names because we have so many. We probably had 10 pharmacists who came down this year and just spoke passionately and compellingly. You know, when they're not coming down to the Capitol, they're calling or they're inviting legislators to their pharmacies on weekends. You know, look, I think the other thing in this is PBMs affect not just pharmacy, right? They have such an impact on the medical system as a whole that what we found is, you know, they're impacting oncology and their impact on physicians' practices. Any number of patients on specialty drugs, MS, what we see is that, that it's really when you start having conversations and connecting the dots, there are a lot of stakeholders who are willing to, to join in the fight. And that may be different ways. They may not be taking the lead, but maybe they can supply a patient or maybe they can do, do some follow-up conversations to legislators who are on the fence. So it's, you know, it's not any one thing, but I think the biggest driving factor is having, having facts and doing your research and being able to support what you're saying with examples. I, I would agree with that. But when you combine and you start uncovering you know, that detail and you start uh, also marrying that with you know, the patient and all of the examples out there uh, of where patients, patient outcomes, patient access, patient choice, uh, you know, the problems that exist, you'll start to put this together and the passion for this and, and you marry that with fact and detail, uh, it, it's hard to argue against it, the cause, if you will. And the other thing I think to elaborate what Greg had been talking about with all these you know, coalition of people, you know, I think if you'll put the patient, uh, the healthcare provider, and I'm talking about across the board, you know, the physicians and all with the pharmacist and, and, and some of these patient advocacy groups, you've got a pretty broad coalition. And, you know, we started uh, started a couple of years ago with Greg saying, you know, I, I want to start getting these folks together because a physician has to take time out of their day and their office and their resources to deal with a prescription issue of a PBM. It's just not a pharmacist issue. And so when you start letting all the healthcare providers see that this does affect them, it affects their practice, it affects their ability to uh, treat patients and treat more patients um, if they, you know, if they had more time and resources. And we started doing it. For instance, House Bill uh, 946, you know, we started to put some things in there when there's uh, appeals, you know, especially in connection with uh, a special area. Uh, we put in something that, um, you know, the PBM has got to have a physician uh, in regards to those appeals that is in the same specialty area uh, that the patient is dealing with. So you can't have a orthopedic, you don't need an orthopedic surgeon 
calling a pedi you know dealing with a pediatric uh, you know physician from the PBM talking about those two issues. You need somebody with an especially. So we're trying to bridge those gaps and to start uh, looking at how um, you know how the PBMs really are getting in the way of our healthcare providers as they deliver healthcare to the patients. And in that same vein of the committee hearing testimonies that you talked about, Greg, how do you recommend either the Georgia Pharmacy members or just other people that are going to advocate and speak at a committee hearing, how do they control their emotions to help get their point across and not, you know, you, you have this urge to jump up whenever someone from the opposition stands up and says, you know, oh, no, we save the patient's money when the pharmacists deal with the exact opposite of that every day. Are there any tips or strategy yeah. that you can provide for some of our listeners on that? You should probably know this, but Xanax, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> Xanax or wine, right? So you can have it after yeah. the committee hearing. <laughs> but, you know, listen, it's hard. Pharmacists are behind the counter caring for patients, you know, every day, all day. And so when they, when they do come down to the Capitol, and they do hear, you know, some some of these you know, d different positions or statements being made. It can be really tough. Um, and you know, we had a few hearings this year. You know, one of the, you know, we, we had several bills, and we introduced most on the House, and we had some in the Senate. And, and but we had some hearings this year that were not easy. Probably equate them to a knife fight. And you know, the PBMs, um, you know, their their representatives and, and lobbyists, they they did a good job, and they were definitely heard. But it's hard, right? It's hard for a pharmacist to sit there and, and, and listen to some of that. And so, you know, just, just try to prepare and, and just let them know, hey, listen, you know, you're going you're gonna to hear very, very opposing views on this, but we'll be patient, we'll follow up, we'll refute the points, and, and we'll, we'll win the day. And I think ultimately we, we usually do. Now, again, we don't win every battle by any means, but it is, it, it's, a, it's a hard thing for a pharmacist to come down, you know, take time out of their day. Oftentimes, they're independent pharmacists who, you know, losing money, having to pay a backup pharmacist. You know, the, the, the meeting gets bumped three hours, so they're there all day. And then all of a sudden, you hear five PBM representatives talking about how PBMs are, are saving the world and their practices are lowering prices and they're completely transparent. And that's a tough thing for them to hear. And we try to prepare them, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. <laughs> that's for sure. And, and the one other point, I'll, I'll digress a little bit, but I think I'd be remiss, to, you know, when you talk about a recipe for success is you need legislative champions who are not afraid of a fight because the pressure, the pressure that PBMs and, and insurance companies and managed care company lobbyists can, can apply is tremendous. I don't know how many lobbyists there, there were in Georgia this year, but the, the pressure is tremendous. And so very rarely does anything come out the way it goes in. You always, you know, you always have conversations, but you need folks who believe in what they're doing. And, you know, obviously Representative Knight, no, nobody believes more passionately and he, he doesn't blink and doesn't back down. You know, that, that's not an easy ingredient, frankly. And, and, and we, you know, we were lucky to have a number of, of other folks this year who also held those lines. And that's a, that's a big part of success too. Absolutely. You have to have, like you said, people interested and your supporters on the legislative side everywhere whenever you go to the Capitol. It, it could be staffers. It could be, you know, other advocates. As you said, this touches a bunch of different areas of the healthcare care spectrum. 
and I know we've had not only patient advocates, but physicians, oncologists, other members of the medical community that have come on board in support of PUT and our members just to make sure that legislators understand this is not just a problem in the silo of independent pharmacies. Well, and Lauren, I, I'm, I'm going to say something. I think, and, I, and I've said this repeatedly, and I don't know if I said this at the PUT conference last year, but I believe that the independent pharmacists and Greg's heard me say this a, a thousand times too, that they truly are the canary in the coal mine, if you will. I think that the the practice, this PM, this benefit manager model uh, that is out there um, is expanding. And I think that prescription drugs was, was where it, it is mainly practiced and quite frankly where the, the methodology was perfected. But I think as, as we go through time, and, and all the time, so if I'm correct or not, but I think you're going to start to see this benefit management model uh, in other areas of the healthcare, uh, not only in, in prescription drugs, but you're starting to see it in lab space. You're starting to see it uh, you know, across the board. And uh, until you really get in and understand that, that model, if you will, you, you can't fix it. And um, I think this is just, you know, I think this is going to end up being more than just prescription drugs. It's going to tie into the greater healthcare cost, rising cost and problems that we see. And, and again, these companies, you know, we keep talking about the PBMs, but Lauren and Greg, y'all both know that, you know, there's been a vertical integration in this country of healthcare. So, you know, you have United Healthcare that has the Optum as their PBM. Their specialty pharmacy is Riva. You know, then Optum cares their provider service. You've got Aetna, uh, which CVS Caremark bought Aetna, the insurance company. And, you know, you see Signal with Express Scripts and uh, Anthem with Ingenio. Uh, Humana's got their own pharmacy solutions. So, and then you've got in the managed care, uh, Centene, um, which I think in 19 was number 50, so 50 something normally, S&P 500, they bought WellCare, merged or bought and merged with WellCare. So now you have Centene, uh, their PBM involved, and then a carrier is their specialty. Um, but what you're seeing is you're seeing with the vertical integration in healthcare, that, uh, you know, the, the, the underwriters, the insurance, health insurance companies, you know, now each own their own um, PBM and they have their own specialty pharmacies, mail water, uh, and in some cases, brick and mortar. And they're expanding that out into provider services. And then they're starting to get into other areas of healthcare. And I think the ultimate goal and in, in I think this is bears a quote that, that actually Greg found, but it was in 2017 when the CEO of CVS, um, Caremark, said in their annual report, he said, over time we've developed new plans that save our clients money while simultaneously moving share into our channels. And uh, he goes on to say, you know, the past three selling seasons, they've contributed an additional 40 million prescriptions to their enterprise. And I, I think I think that quote says it all. To these big companies, health insurance companies that own the PBMs, this is about market share. It's not about the patient. I believe that the patient care comes in a distant second or even a third uh, to the profits of these you know, uh, top 
you know, 30, 40 S and P fortune 500 companies. And I think as long as wall street has these companies, you know, their first and foremost priority is to their shareholder. I, I, I don't think that the patient and healthcare uh, is, is at the top of that list. So I think what we're doing here, what the pharmacists, especially the independent pharmacists are doing, I think in the long run, you're gonna see them uh, having paved the way, uh, or at least made people aware of the, the, the true underlying issue that is going on in healthcare. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, pharmacists are so up against it when they're behind the counter all day and the things that they deal with, watching patients be steered, DIR fees. Um, you know, there's just any number of issues. But I think if there's something to kind of take solace in that to me is pretty neat is if you look at, at the work across the country, not, not just in Georgia, but I think Georgia's led in a lot of ways. But you look at, again, Georgia spread out, Arkansas, Ohio, Louisiana, New York, you know, even though we're going up against these biggest companies in the world and change is so hard, and I know it's not overnight, but it's, it's a pretty neat thing to see that the independent pharmacists, the, the change that they're shaping on a national scale, right? At the state level, at the national level, it's, you know, conversations are changing and eyes are opening. And I think it's a, a pretty neat thing because here you have small businesses that are banding together to fight for transparency and fight for patients and fight for their existence. And I think it's a pretty neat thing because there's a lot of people who really do care. And it may be hard to feel that when you're behind the counter all day. But, you know, if I can tell you, you know, the hours that Representative Knight put in, not just during legislative session, but leading into session and other legislators spent um, who, who carried some of these bills on the Senate side, uh, Senator Burke, and, and on the House side with uh, Sharon Cooper and, and Representative Hatchett, it's folks put in a lot of time. And I know it's not just in Georgia. And that's a neat thing. And I think that's something for independent pharmacists to take, to be proud of, that they've come together and, you know, and they're fighting that fight and Putt's fighting that fight. And it is affecting change. Change is not an easy thing when you're going up against just these massive institutions that are entrenched in government and in the commercial market. And on that note, Greg, where do your current bills stand? I know that the majority of them were able to see both the House and the Senate. Did they pass out of the legislature? Where do they stand on the journey? Yeah, so so it's like the old schoolhouse rock, right? <laughs> yeah. How a bill becomes a law. They've come very far, you know, I'm happy to report. You know, they, they've made their way out of the General Assembly. We've got four, four or five bills that made their way out of the General Assembly. And they are at the governor's desk now, hopefully awaiting the governor's signature. You know, and then from there, they, they will become law. And then we also did some work on Medicaid carve-out this year. It's some work I, I think I think both of us are, are pretty proud of in terms of the bill that we introduced, the work and the research that went into that, that sort of set forth what the Medicaid managed care market in Georgia looks like. Um, we ended up not having to push that legislation because the, the, the big goal we were trying to do is to get a study done. Money was put into the budget and the state of Georgia has engaged with the, a company to conduct an actuarial assessment, a Medicaid actuarial assessment on the fiscal impact of carbon prescription drug benefits out of Medicaid managed care and putting them back into fee-for-service. And it's the, the same company that conducted the West Virginia study. So that's something we're really excited uh, to see how that shakes out as well. 
Absolutely, that's a great role model to have with West Virginia and their carve out with state Medicaid and getting the PBMs out. They were able to give pharmacists additional dispensing fees and also save the state, I think it was $50 million, yeah. and the pharmacists were able to get like $122 million in additional dispensing fees. That's a that's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Representative Knight, how much does it play into or how much influence do you have as a legislator once that bill becomes law? I know that sometimes the government has a little bit of red tape and, you know, those state agencies might not be able to understand what to do if you were the first state in the country doing something this groundbreaking like PBM reform and licensure and trying to get those surcharges set up. So how, how, do, how do you talk to your state agencies and get them to understand the sooner this happens, the sooner the state will be able to save money? Well, uh, you know, I think as a legislator, you, you've just got to keep on, you know, inquiring as to, you know, once the bills become law, you, you keep inquiring with uh, the state agency in charge of implementing the law. We had an issue last year with DCH and, and didn't necessarily stay on it and found that they had taken a different position uh, on one particular section of the and was not there. And, you know, looking back on it, I think I should have been a little bit more uh, diligent, you know, a year, year and a half ago, uh, following back up on the implementation. So um, we have a lot of influence. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily grind. And once you're out of session, that's when these bills typically are worked on by the agencies. And you just got to take time to follow up and make inquiries and uh, get them to respond as to the status of the bill and its implementation. So that's what we're doing this year. I think we're going to put a lot more effort in following up to, to make sure that um, the legislation is, is explained. If there are any questions or concerns that they may have, to make sure that we're there to answer questions and, and provide you know what was the intent of the legislation. And then also just to follow up and make sure that they're timely implementing the law. Thank you so much for that insight. I really appreciate that, especially since Illinois is still in the toddler stages of getting some of our PBM reform journey started. So I'm very appreciative to my support from the legislators that we have, but I always send them articles from Georgia and, like you mentioned, Greg, New York and Louisiana, to show them what other states are doing and hopefully get the inspiration to do that in Illinois. So I, I thank you for that answer, Representative. All right, Greg, we have come to the end of our discussion. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to know about PBM reform that we have not covered yet today? No, I mean, look, I, th I think we I think we covered a lot of ground. I, I hope that folks, you know, come away from this, you know, excited about work that, that they can do in, in their states. There's a lot of work to do. Um, some of it's legislative. Some of it may be in courts. Um, some of it may be, be working, you know, locally with, you know, whoever that may be within their communities, businesses, and, and educating the public. So there's just, there's a lot of work to do on many fronts. But I do think for the first time in a long time, I think the, the wind is at pharmacies back. And that's a pretty good place to be when you see the bills that are being passed nationwide, when, when you see the, the Supreme Court case, when you see investigations being launched by state AGs and big media outlets and, and local media outlets sort of 
honing in on these issues. It's an exciting time to be in, in pharmacy, and I do think that pharmacy and independent pharmacy is, is really on the front line, a fight that's going on in healthcare for transparency and patient choice and patient access to care and fair reimbursement for, for providers. I think pharmacy is leading that charge, and uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of it and along for the ride. And both of you, Representative Knight and Greg, you guys have been so motivational to so many pharmacy owners and advocates across the country. I know that we talk all the time about our friends in Georgia and just how motivated you guys are and how you guys really do have a way of finding some of the cutting edge or new legislation for PBM reform that people need to be watching out for. You know, you guys really have a way of kind of honing in on that and lighting the way for what other states should be doing. Representative Knight, is there anything that you'd like to add for our listeners? Well, one, Lauren, thanks you to, to you and your organization for what you're doing. Explain and tell about of what we're doing, of the legislation that we're passing, um, you know, why the legislation is important, how does it affect not only the pharmacist, but more importantly, how does it affect, uh, you know, the patients? And oftentimes these are very complex, complicated issues. And the more that we're able to, to talk to not only patients, uh, I mean, our pharmacists, but the patients and the general public, the more they know about this, uh, the more they know about the unscrupulous practices of the PBMs, I think the better off we are. So I want to say thank you uh, to Put for uh, you know for what you're doing and helping get uh, you know get the news out there. Uh, make sure that we we spread this and tell our story uh, to as many people as we can. Well, it's easy to do our job with great supporters like we have in you guys. And thank you so much for your time today and letting us pick your brain a little bit about PBM reform. Again, this has been the PBM reform podcast on the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode. Have a great rest of your day.